Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. I hope you're doing well today. Before we get started, I just want to share a little bit about my new book, All in the Same Boat, Lead Your Organization Like a Nuclear Submariner. The pre-order period is over, and last week we had our virtual book launch where we gave away 80 prizes. So if you ordered a book, keep an eye out on your mailbox. It is coming very soon. I'm starting to see people post pictures of the book on social media, and that's awesome, and I want to encourage it. So post a picture of the book, and I'll give you a shout-out. If you haven't purchased a book yet, what are you waiting for? Pause this podcast and go to allintheSameBoatBook.com to purchase a signed copy. You can also go to Amazon and purchase either a paperback or the Kindle version. The Audible version will be available in a few months. So thank you again for everyone who supported this book launch. I'm extremely proud of how this book came out, and I know you will enjoy it. I guarantee it'll be the most interesting leadership book you will read this year. If you're looking to support what I do on the show, purchase a book or go to any one of my sponsors, BottomGunCoffee.com and EyeOfTheWatch.com. Both those websites use the discount code DEEP at checkout. Well, that's it. My guest today is Sonny Bunnell. Sonny is the co-author of a book called Rare Breed, which has been called A Brazen Rant by Seth Godin. This is an unconventional business book that explores seven so-called vices that society deems as counterintuitive to your success and reframes them as virtues. This book and interview spoke to me personally. In the interview, you'll hear us talk about the rare breed quiz. I actually didn't take the quiz before the interview, but I just did. And it's no surprise, my rare breed virtue is rebellious. According to the results, I have a rebellious spirit that I harness to push boundaries, confront wrongs, give a voice to the voiceless, or birth something unprecedented. That describes me to a T. It's why I started my own company, wrote two books, and lead this podcast. I'm trying to build a world with better bosses. So what about you? Are you a rare breed too? Well, listen into this interview with Sonny and find out. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Sunny Bonnell. With just $250 in her pocket, Sunny and her partner, Ashley Hansberger, dropped out of college and founded Motto, a branding company focused on helping companies be rare and different. That was 16 years ago. Now they are teaching leaders to go beyond the conventional ideas of management. Sunny and Ashley are the authors of a book called Rare Breed, a guide to success for the defiant, dangerous, and different. This is a new kind of leadership thinking, which challenges conformity and dismantles a business-as-usual approach to leadership. I'm excited to have Sunny on the show to talk about this interesting topic. So, Sunny, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am really glad to have you on the show. I think it's going to be a really interesting topic for our listeners. And uh, the first thing I want to do is start off, let you talk a little bit about 
your origin story, how you guys started Motto, and how did you get it to be so successful? What was your approach and how did it, you know, what led to so much success? Mm. So you had touched on that Ashley and I are co-founders. We actually met in a uh, Chicago snowball fight in our <laughs> early teens. And we have grown up together. We went to college together. And in our early 20s, we dropped out of college together to start Motto. And as you said, we had $250 and a dream. We had no prior business experience. And in this small town that we were trying to kick this off in, we were heavily doubted. You know, everyone told us that we would fail. Well, that was 15, 16 years ago. And now we have led Motto to become one of the top uh, branding and leadership organizations, companies in the, in the country. We have clients such as Google, Microsoft, Hershey's, uh, 20th Century Fox. And we have really earned a reputation for pushing boundaries, breaking rules, and really activating positive change inside companies. And I think all of that stems back to being a bit of the outlier in the beginning. You know, we started in a very small coastal town. There were only a few established players and we didn't realize it at the time, but we were probably a bit of a threat because we didn't have another blueprint to follow. Mm. There was no, you know, long storied branding founder that we could point to and say, we want to, we want to be that, or we could follow in their footsteps. We were literally tearing up the rule book and starting from, from scratch. And that really led to a very unconventional approach to not only building our own business, but building the brands of the companies that we were being brought into to service. And, you know, what I think we've begun to become known for is working with one of a kind brands, really helping leaders uh, solve very tough um, problems using brand as the lens. But also, I feel like we're a little bit of that anti-branding branding agency. Yeah. And we're, we're, our, our work is just it's not always typical in the way that we approach. And I think that really stems from those early days of not having anyone else to follow. So we just sort of carved our own path, created our own methodology. And then now that turned into a book and now a leadership and uh, team workshop and training. And now a full-fledged uh, YouTube show where we interview cultural provocateurs and real rare breeds in the industry who are doing game-changing things. So it, it really has become kind of the ethos and philosophy of everything that we do. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, you know, what I what I sense is that, you know, like there's a rebellion, there's a rebellious spirit in the two of you right from day one. And it's and it's almost the thread within the entire business, everything that you're doing from, from branding to leadership training. So the question I might have for you is where did this re rebellious nature come from? <laughs> well, you seem to both have it. <laughs> oh yeah. So that's true. Uh, well, you know, I believe that I really believe that we are born with certain traits and those certain traits kind of emerge at different points in our life. And sometimes I think those traits are either awakened within us by those around us, mentors, friends, parents, teachers. And other times I think those things are silenced. Mm. And, you know, I, I always look at it as like, are we, are we nurtured and supported? Other times we're not. And how does that define our personality and, and the mm. traits that we have defined typical rare breeds might have? 
uh, I think while rebellion was in my nature, I think that audacity was more prominent. I dreamed really audaciously. I still do. I've always reached beyond my grasp. You can never tell me that anything is impossible. Mm. Uh, I see possibility where others see boundaries. I'm always pushing in the room to do better, to reach further, to dream bigger. And, you know, when I take the rare breed quiz, which I'm I'm sure you'll mention here in a minute, but, <laughs> and listeners can also take this as well, but we developed this, this quiz that you can take uh, to define which of your rare breed, which of the seven rare breed traits are your um, primary virtue. And every time I take it, I get audacious. And I'm like, well, that's kind of, kind of true. And I, I think it stems from, I think it stems from that my grandfather's and my father were both entrepreneurs and they were self-made. You know, one of them couldn't read or write. He was a coal miner. He'd leave with a car and he'd come back with a pistol and he just knew the art of negotiating. And, you know, my dad started his company with like $150. So even less money than than Ashley and I had. And they really started their companies from nothing. And I think what they had was this guts and vision and they wrestled hardship into being successful. And you only do that when you have an audacious backbone. And I think I really certainly have that. Well, clearly, yeah, clearly. (laughs) Um, So, you know, one of the things, you know, when I was reading through the material of what you guys do in Motto and how you work with companies, you say that you want them to... adopt a mindset of being rare and different and you want them to to stand out. Now why is this so important for brands? Because I think you know today we see a lot of cookie cutter brands out there and everybody's sort of trying to do the same thing. So you yeah. I your your team says no, we're going to be different. And 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 why do you do that? Why is that so important? Well, I think you have to kind of go back to the thesis of the book. So, you know, in order to kind of understand that thinking, you first need to understand what the book is about. So Rare Breed is a book about a curious question, which Mm. is, what if you could take the parts of yourself that other people criticize, society criticize, traits that they call defiant, dangerous, and different? And how do you turn those same counterintuitive traits that society teaches us to make invisible? How do you turn those into your selling points? And so at the heart of rare breed are these seven so-called vices, rebellious, audacious, obsessed, hot-blooded, weird, hypnotic, and emotional. (laughs) These seven traits we're often taught are cautionary tales. In order to succeed, you have to not be these things, Mm. right? So we've all heard like, oh, you're so emotional Mm. or... You know, he's just, he's just like too, too, too much of a ruckus maker. You know, he's, he's, he's a problem. He's a, he's a troublemaker or she's a troublemaker. And in the book, we really reframe these same vices as, as virtues. You know, we give a floor Mm. to the misfit. And I think it's really a call to arms for anyone who's ever been told that they don't belong or that there's something about them that's flawed. So when you kind of understand where we're coming from in terms of not only defining the traits, but understanding the traits within ourselves, you, you, you begin to realize that not only is this how we operate in our life and in our careers, but it's also in how we lead. Mm. And so when you're thinking about your company and your leadership style you know, we're all trained in those classic leadership traits, right? Like stability and calmness and, you know, decision-making and like all the kind of typical traits that you read about in thousands of leadership books. 
But there's also another side to that that I think where sometimes being a little bit defiant and being different and, and maybe even a little bit dangerous in your thinking is actually a gift. And you can really succeed because of who you are, not despite who you are. So business, I think, prides itself on unique perspectives and uh, innovative ideas. But the truth is that in all the organizations that we have been in, and we've been in at this point, thousands, some of the biggest brands in the world we have walked the halls of. And the truth of the matter is, is that most of those ideas get shut down. The mm. most different and dangerous and, and interesting ideas often just get left on the floor. They never really yeah. see the, the light of day. You know, by the time that they've gotten to the top, there's so many bullet holes in them. You can't, you can't recognize it. Anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the danger in stripping away and discouraging these idiosyncrasies is that we smother the rebellious visionary fire that truly leads to great breakthroughs. And what we believe is by embracing this kind of rare breed mindset, not only as a person within the company, but someone who's leading the company and also as a business is that the people working inside of it, you, you, they have to be allowed to make the contributions that they know that they're capable of making. But what companies don't understand and often do is that they, the people that are most likely to stir up trouble and express those unpopular opinions or otherwise make the top brass uncomfortable, they're exactly the, the people that you need. They're yeah. your secret weapon to everything. You know, yeah. I mean, as you're talking, you know, I, I spent 22 years in corporate America and I can tell you that conformity was the rule, right? Yeah. And they didn't, we didn't want the, uh, the out of the box thinkers. I mean, we did, but, but like you said, once your ideas get filtered up at the top, they were, you know, they became corporate, right? And they were flattened mm -hmm. out and they were, you know, and, and, and it's almost like we didn't want to listen to the ideas from the people at, in the trenches that, you know, the, the ones with the crazy ideas. Yeah. And, um, you know, but, but for me, at least as uh, somebody that was in the, in that space and, and, and just had all these ideas, I always felt frustrated. Like, you know, in, in fact, that's the reason I started my, my own company because I was so frustrated. They wouldn't listen to a, a, an obvious idea how to, yeah. how to change this industry that we just did it on our own. We, we left and we did it on our own. Well, that's I what think, rare breeds do. Yeah. And I think that's it. They get frustrated and they say, mm -hmm. you know what? I'm going to do it on my own. If you're not going to listen to this idea, we're going to do it on our own. Yeah. So, so like if you're, if you're a manager, you know, we're, we've got a lot of managers, leaders that are listening on this podcast. How do you identify the rare breeds? that are the rare breed leaders that are in your organization? What, what kind of, uh, how do they, what, is, what are some characteristics they exhibit that you, that make it obvious that this is an interesting person in your organization? Yeah, well, I think in leaders, we look for the conventional leadership traits. As I mentioned, you know, they're steady, they're decisive, they're consistent, mm. you know, they're calculated, they're diplomatic, yeah. they're logical. And those qualities are extremely important. But rare breeds we have found they think, act, and communicate in an entirely different way. Mm. And they operate on a different frequency. And the rare breed, they just tear conventional thinking apart. You know, they eat the status quo for breakfast. And rare breeds who are on the payroll, they already possess these kind of hard-to-manage qualities. We call them virtues. <laughs> um, but, you know... To most managers, right? They're 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 difficult. They're defiant. 
they're dangerous. And, you know, they're, the, the truth is, is that they fuel that those breakthroughs and they redefine industries and they, you know, things that are telltale signs or, you know, they're neurotic obsession, you know, with every minute detail there, there's an angry intolerance for injustice. You know, there's mm. um, an absurd, outrageous whimsy, you know, uh, a sense of whimsy. There, there's a there's a gleeful contempt for like shaking the status quo to its, to its knees. Um, and you know, as managers, I think we, when they, we want them, but when they appear, we don't know what to do with them. Right. And so rare breed has really turned into, you know, we didn't write rare breed as a how to book. It was more of like, look, we, there's a lot of people out in the world who have been made to feel invisible and we see you, we hear you, we know you're out there and, you know, we should know the names of who they are. Mm. And more importantly, uh, you know, to, to, to all these leadership books sometimes tell you that there's something about you that's flawed. And I was like, why is that? You know, mm. why, why, why does something about us always have to change in order to succeed? And by, by sort of redefining that question, I think what it allows us to do is, help the rare breed navigate the world a little bit more eloquently, even though they're kind of, you know, breaking things and pumping into walls and, <laughs> and, and stirring up trouble. Um, but in all the right ways, you know, this isn't meant to be, uh, you know, of course with, with rare breeds, they, they do have a dark side. There are destructive traits and we go into great detail in the book about what it means to, um, be a force for good versus like a force for evil. Mm. Uh, you know, if you think back to some of the, most influential rare breeds of all time. Like they've also been some of the most manipulative and some of the most dangerous. And so what we're, what we're kind of advocating for is not that particular person, but the real rare breed who is using those gifts for good really to help companies win and and, and be a competitive edge and also to, um, you know, drive innovation. But what we have to do as organizations is learn how to, how to, harness them and, and, and awaken the potential and truly see them for their full potential. Because what happens is, uh, I think there was a Harvard business review study where, you know, fewer than 10% of people work in companies that encourage nonconformity. So what that tells me is that people leave their real selves behind at the door and now the virtual door. And, you know, the question I always wondered was, well, how many great ideas, how many great minds, and innovation are we losing out on because we punish those for even trying? Mm. And how many of these rare breeds walk out of jobs uh, they don't feel connected to? Um, how many people are leaving because they don't feel seen? Mm. And if this, you know, the book didn't start out this way, but it's now turned into kind of this framework of thinking that, you know, some of the top companies are asking us to come in and like share this thinking so that they can not only identify who on their team might be a rare breed, but more importantly, how do we hire and retain them? Because Mm. sometimes we can get them in the door, but we can't, we don't know how to keep them. As you said, you left and went and did your own thing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's what we have to realize is at stake is that we're, we're pushing some of our most innovative people out the door because we just simply don't understand them or have the tools or the language to understand how to best work with them. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I I talk a lot of, a lot of in my leadership writing in terms of, really getting to know the people that, that work for you, right? Really just yeah. to understand how they tick. And part of that is recognizing their different personality characteristics and things that they, you know, what their, what are their interests, where are their passions and what have you. And mm-hmm. I've always found that 
Um, you know, when I, when I started as a leader, I thought I had to have all the answers. And what I learned over 30 years of leading people is that the answers were always right there in the team. It's just the answers matter, and the question. <laughs> yeah. So, so it was about right, asking the right questions and, and taking yeah. the time to actually listen to the ideas. And, 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 and I just recently wrote a book and I actually talk about several crazy ideas that I had people come up with and end up changing our, changing our business model completely. Yeah. But having that ability to listen to that crazy idea and, uh, and say, all right, I, I don't know how that'll work, but just giving it a little t- chance to put, you know, get that seed in the ground yeah. and, get, you know, give it a little bit of water and see where it goes. Because sometimes we in management, we're quick to bury a good idea because it doesn't mm-hmm. seem to match what we're used to or what we've seen before happen. So yeah. I think that's really good. Just having that ability to just sit back and listen and, and allow your more creative minds or the out of the box thinkers or, you know, rare breeds to actually, you know, get, get a chance to express their ideas and try their ideas. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. One ping only, please. As I thought, John Rennie's new book, All in the Same Boat, is right over there. It's at allinthesameboatbook.com. Your orders are to get there now. And remember, be careful what you shoot at. Most things in here don't react too well. Two bullets. Is your boss a jerk? I understand you're in the hospital, but I'm going to need you to come in today. Do they lack any ability to actually lead people? Oh, it's fine. I'll I'll just find somebody else that can do it, okay? John is offering a new service just for you. For only $10, he will anonymously mail a copy of his best-selling book, I Have the Watch, to your boss with a personal note. Go to IHaveTheWatch.com and enter the discount code BOSS at checkout. Deep Leadership is brought to you by the Bottom Gun Coffee Company. Bottom Gun is owned and operated by U.S. submarine veterans, and no one knows coffee better than the men and women who serve long hours keeping watch under the sea. Bottom Gun Coffee Company has a variety of coffee blends designed to keep you moving. From Ahab's Revenge, extremely strong coffee, to their morning blend, Bottom Gun purchases only premium, certified, organic coffee beans from all over the world to create the finest tasting coffee you will ever experience. Bottom Gun is offering a discount to the listeners of Deep Leadership. Go to BottomGunCoffee.com and enter the discount code DEEP at checkout. Bottom Gun Coffee, the taste that's qualified. So you, you mentioned it. There, these personality types are... You know, there's pros and there's their cons to them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was thinking about the, re- the rebellious uh, leaders, so mm-hmm. the ones that are rebels, right? There's there's pros and cons to that, right? They don't like conformity, right? <laughs> but but what are some what are some pros and cons for some of the personality types like that, like re- like a rebellious leader, for example? Yeah, I think. Um, hmm. So while everyone else is perfectly fine blending in, rare breeds. Right you know, rare breed leaders, thinkers, artists, uh, they do everything differently, yes. you know, and they create that necessary change. I think they have a few tells like in poker, mm. um, you know, f- 
I think one of the, the biggest things that I've seen in the work that we've done is that they have a knack for making people feel really uncomfortable. They'll push against the boundaries. They say what others won't. Um, they turn in brilliant work and, you know, sometimes make their colleagues look bad. You know what I mean? Right, um, right. The workplace contract will say, you know, sort of say like, you know, um, this is our culture, pour yourself into it. And I think while rare breeds understand that and they appreciate that, they often will kind of violate that contract too, mm. you know, because they just can't help themselves. And I think the second thing that that we've seen is um, they have zero tolerance for we've always done it this way. Mm. Um they hate it when a company or industry sticks to norms for norms sake. They love to graffiti over pretty walls. Uh, they are natural insurrectionists. Uh, you know, if something doesn't work or there's a better way to get the job done, they're going to be the first in line to take the slant, the, the sledgehammer to conventional wisdom. And I think the question that we have to ask is, is what if we could you know, build our culture and brand around these anti-conformist qualities and, 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 and really lean into them. Uh, you had kind of asked about the dark side. So in the book, we go into great detail about the dark side of these traits. And, you know, if you're kind of a, a hip, hypnotic person, right. Say you're sort of a, when you're, and we always, we all know that charismatic person in the room that, that you're sort of spellbound with, the dark side of that can be that it's manipulative and it can be defrauding, you know, and uh, they can use that, you know, again, to persuade or manipulate in very negative ways. We're really talking about, you know, hypnotic charm as being something where, you know, you're inspiring your team around you to far exceed their own expectations. You know, you're using it for for the right reasons. There's there was a great documentary recently. I don't know if you saw it, but with uh, Adam Newman for WeWork. I think he's a perfect example of kind of a rare breed that sort of unraveled. Um, he was notorious for audacious vision, and yet the what I think happened over time was that, and I think sometimes with with certain you know rare breeds that 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 drink their own Kool Aid, they become sort of hubristic. Mm -hmm. And if you really watch that documentary or you even study sort of his ascent to fame and then, of course, being kicked out, of course, he got a heavy, <laughs> heavy handout on the way out. But, uh, you know, I think I think that dark side is can be very destructive mm -hmm. and it can be your undoing. So for rare breed traits, what's really interesting about them is that they are as powerful as they are perilous. Mm -hmm. And we have to be very careful uh, not only in ourselves, but in the people that we, you know, lead that we're understanding the, the line between the light and the dark side of these traits. And, and often it's murky and indistinct, you know, and I think the the difference between rare breeds that have really figured it out is that they fully, they fully know it's at work and they know that they can uh, really use it to unlock pieces mm. of themselves and not only mm -hmm. themselves, but in others. So, you know, that's what we have to kind of look out for with, with specifically rebellious rare breeds, because they're, they're notorious for just like kicking up dirt and 
causing a little bit of ruckus, but at the same time, you don't want them, you don't want it to be destructive or, um, you know, to be rebellious for rebellious sake. You, you want it to have a motive and a, and a real purpose, um, for good. So when you go into a company and you're working with a company with respect to leaders and looking at this, these uh, rare breed characteristics and leaders, what are, what are some of the things that happen as you teach, train, evaluate? What are some of the shifts that you see happening in these companies? And, uh, what, what, what are the, what are the, what, what comes out of these sessions that you have with these companies? Yeah. Well, one of the things that I think we've done, it's really extraordinary with rare breeds specifically is there was no workshop. Mm. Uh, we had a, (laughs) this is a funny story. One of the, um, head of brand at Microsoft picked up the rare breed in an airport and read it on a flight from New York to LA. I think by the time he had touched down, he was like, I need to talk to you. And (laughs) we need this thinking inside the company. And uh, he was like, you know, we'd love you to do a workshop. And I was like, hmm, <laughs> there, is, there is no workshop, uh, but we'll create one. And so we spent like all of Christmas and basically through the holidays creating a, a rare breed sort of uh, beta workshop that we could go into companies and, and teach them this this mindset and thinking. And we did it over the course of a couple of days. And day one was really focused on sort of educating, like, what is the rare breed? What is the uh, rare breed mindset? How do you identify them? What traits do you need to be looking out for? And then we did a really interesting exercise where we had all of the team take the quiz. And so uh, we revealed the rare breeds within their team. Mm. And they were able to sort of identify all of the traits within the team and also, what it does for teams is they begin to see each other very differently. Right. So if I know you, John, are... Did you take the quiz? What are you? <laughs> I didn't take the quiz. Oh, you need to. We I should have before this are. podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what? You didn't take the quiz? This would have been perfect. Uh, we'll take the quiz and then put it in the show notes I what will. you, what you are uh, and when you release this episode. But you know, we had all of them take the quiz. And, and if you know, John, that you are emotional and you know that I am audacious, very quickly, we're able to understand each other just a little bit better. Mm. You know, that there's buttons, right? That, 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 that I might push that for an emotional empath who sort of you know, is on a different frequency and feels the room in different ways and might be highly sensitive and emotional, you know, uh, working with a a rebellious or audacious mindset, there could be some, some, you know, gruffness there. There could be some misunderstanding or, you know, this person's like, oh, he's just so sensitive. And, and you're like, Sonny's just so crazy in her thinking and and too (laughs) audacious. And we, we shouldn't do that, you know? Um, or you're rubbing me the wrong way. And so what it what it helped them sort of do is have another way to communicate with one another as a team and also get forged in the fire about, you know, knowing the, each other's traits and being able to leverage some of those traits in, in the service of, of innovation. So it was a really big aha moment for their team. And then in day two, we talked a lot about uh, rare breed moves and like what it really means to like, what are some of the most audacious ideas that they've had as a company mm. that could never really fully be realized? Why? I like that. And yeah. And so, so then, then what happened after that was the workshop was so successful that they, their team, Teams began taking the quiz and then working uh, and doing their own like mini rare breed workshops within their own 
within their own groups. Um, and it was really, really cool. And then, you know, now we've gotten opportunities from uh, several organizations for people that were in that workshop that told other people and friends. And now we, we, we like, we can't even handle the amount of inquiries that we're getting for the workshops to actually do them. Like we have a waiting list, essentially. We can't even, we can't even, we don't have enough <laughs> bandwidth to actually <laughs> do them all. Um, so now we're trying to kind of sort through, well, how do we actually like really turn this into something that becomes uh you know a blueprint that we go in and, and and do with companies just to help them innovate while knowing that each organization is truly unique and we kind of need to understand like all the factors at, at play there but uh it's been so successful and it, you know we heard that it was one of the most innovative workshops they've ever been a part of mm-hmm. and i think the truth is is just like our own career you know we didn't have some of the workshop that we could go and like basically you know look to we had to create it from scratch and in doing so uh, you know, you come at it with just um, kind of an unhingedness. You know, there is no limitations because you don't really know what's right or wrong. You just kind of think like, well, if we're going to call it rare breed, it better not be boring. So, <laughs> right, so right. yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, um, and now we're doing like lunch and learns where we go in for like 60 or 90 minutes. And now we're doing uh, keynotes and talks on, you know, rare breeds at work, creating a culture of innovation and belonging, what it really takes to do that. And so it's become way more than a book. Mm, outstanding. So, you know, if, as leaders are listening to this, you know, what what would you have them do if they wanted to find out more information about this? Or, or if you've kind of, if, you know, we've kind of got them interested in this topic, what, what should they do next if they wanted to kind of find out more about, about this? Obviously, take the quiz like I didn't do, right? Yeah, <laughs> you better take it right after we get <laughs> off of here, John. Uh, yeah, well, they can they can go to, uh, so any listeners who, who are really interested in this, obviously, the book is available wherever books are sold on Amazon. Uh, and we're always grateful for, for, you know, somebody buying the book and really getting a sense of it. Um, because I think first you have to see it in yourself before you can see it in others. Mm. Um, and then the other, uh, part of that is you can go to rarebreedleaders.com and learn more about our workshops there and obviously take the quiz there, buy the book there and just get a sense of like that thinking and what we're, what we're trying to, um, we're trying to change the conversation around how rare breeds are seen in the workplace and to dismantle business as usual so that we can carve a space for more of those voices. You know, we need to build that longer table so that we can have more women at the table, more people of color at the table, and that diversity doesn't become some checklist, right? That, uh, that we're checking off, but rather like we're, we're seeking out diversity of thought and we're not looking Mm. for people just like us. We're looking for people who share very diverse thinking than we do from very different backgrounds so that we can in fact create fabrics and cultures that are truly one of a kind. And um, that's, that's our mission. Is everyone a rare breed when they go through this? Is everyone, Mm. or are there some that are just like, no, I'm kind of a conformist. I just want to, you know, well, I think we're all an original, right? Okay. Right. Uh, I think, you know, there's, there's, there's not another John, right? There's, there's only you, your blueprint, your thumbprint, your mark on the world is truly your own. Um, just, just as it is for anyone. I think what separates rare breeds from everyone else is while everyone else is kind of, you know, um, hiding those pain in the ass qualities, ah, rare breeds are really leaning into theirs. Yeah, and yeah. and th- that's the difference that I've seen between people who are, who are kind of identify as one and those who are not are they fully, fully recognize that there is a superpower 
it's at work within them. It is not only at work within the way that they choose uh, their path and career, but it's in how and why they make the decisions that they make. And I believe it can also be applied to not only the way we lead, but the way we brand our companies. And Mm. so, you know, we're, we're seeing the possibility of this in, in so many extreme ways. It's, it's really mind blowing at times, you know, we have a rare breed brand wheel where you can sort of see like where you fall on that spectrum. And, uh, it's just a, it's just a really interesting way to look at the world and, and also each other because you begin to identify and see the possibility in other people. And you recognize that the differences are what makes us who we are. Mm. Um, you know, that, that, that you don't, you don't want to look like everybody else. You don't want to be like everybody else. And that's okay. You know, you should truly, yeah. truly, yeah. um, fully, uh, embrace all of who you are, not just the pretty parts. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, some, you know, people who've listened to this podcast a long time, I always talk about, you know, that, um, you, you know, leadership is an individual business. It's a people business, yeah. right? You have to, you can't take a cookie cutter approach to leading people. Everyone is going to bring a different, different qualities to the table, right? Yeah. And you're going to have some of these rare breeds and some of these outside the box thinkers. And, and, um, you know, if you can harness that, right. And you can appreciate that and not try to put them in a box, but, but allow them to, you know, to, to, to practice what they want to practice. You can do some amazing things as a company, you know, even if, even if you're at a lower level and you, you've got a team, you've got this one person that's always got these crazy ideas <laughs> and, and you're willing to listen and do them. I, I can tell, yeah. tell you for a fact, I mean, I, I can't, you know, they, they work and, 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 and they create some amazing change in your company. So, you know, don't be afraid to embrace the people that are not, uh, you know, that are, that are thinking crazy thoughts or have these crazy ideas or these grand, grandiose visions. Take, take the time to listen because I think you might find that it's a new way to go. It's a, it's a, it's a better way to go. And uh, yeah. I, I've always believed in listening to crazy ideas and, and, and giving, giving people an opportunity to try them. And like, even if you do it on a small t- basis, okay, well, I don't know if that'll work, but let's do a pilot project. Let's just see if it works and see if anyone, any customers appreciate it or they like it or they want it. You know, this, this particular feature of a product or this particular offering, let's try it. it sounds like a crazy idea, but let's see what happens, you know, and yeah. giving those opportunities, you never know where they're going to go. You know, give those, give it a pilot, give it a small, you know, a trial run. So yeah. we don't let people fail. Yeah. And we don't let them even try most of right, the time. We don't, we don't. And, um, you know, we're always looking at the bottom line and the numbers yep. and, yep. you know, trying to make it all work. And, you know, I'm, I'm advocating right now in, I went to Microsoft and I was like, you should have a, we should create a rare breed award, you know, for the most defiant, interesting, different idea <laughs> there is, uh, you know, a, like yeah. actually celebrate it, you know, yeah. and, and put, and put money behind it to see if it can fly. I mean, look at what Elon Musk is doing, you know, yeah, like yeah. putting people on Mars. I mean, pe- people thought he was nuts, you know, yeah, like, yeah. and now they're just like, and he pulled it off. Like, yeah. it's, 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 it's the people that you tell it's impossible. The rare breeds are like, well, let me show you here. Hold my drink. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I think of uh, like in sports analogy, I think of Tom Brady as someone oh, who's such a rare breed. He he is. And he, he's he got a chip on his shoulder and he operates like you pick me six in the draft. I'll show you. And yeah. He's been showing people for 20 something years. You know, he, he's never forgotten about him getting, you know, going to the sixth round in, in the draft. And he's taking that and he's shown showing the world what he can do. And mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's a powerful, you just look at someone like that. It's really powerful what they can do 
just with a mindset. It's like, I'm, I'm going to show them, you know, mm-hmm. it is a mindset. I think rare breed is a mindset. And if you actually really study him and I've, I've studied him at great detail. So I know a lot about Tom Brady actually, but uh, what I think is really fascinating about him is, is that he is, you know, he goes above and beyond the yes. amount of willpower and discipline. And he's willing to get up at three and 4am to outwork and outperform and out hustle everyone else. And, you know, the amount of, of, you know, his diet, his nutrition, you know, his, um, regimen, his work ethic, you know, all these things, right? Like the average person, even, even some of the best players in the world will not do what he does. They will not forgo the amount of discipline that he's willing to take on. And he is one of the, I mean, he's, he's literally like a phenomenon. Right. And it's because, uh, actually I talked to, uh, Dr. Kaku about this, Michio Kaku. He was just on the, the world renowned scientist. He was just on uh, rare breed, our show. And we were talking about, I said, as a scientist, explain the rare breed to me, you know, <laughs> like how, how do they, how are they sort of on this scale? And he's like, they're not on the scale. That's yeah. the point, right? Yeah. Like, you know, there's the bell curve, right. And we kind of hit that peak and there's these sort of outliers, these, these off the charts that, that, that are rare breeds. And it's just, you know, the human nature, it's just that there's going to be a few that just kind of don't fall in line. And, uh, you know, they're, they're just mind blowing and in, in mm. every sense of the word. And I think, you know, Tom Brady is certainly one of those individuals. Yeah. No, amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. well, very good. So, uh, your company again, so everybody can find it. What, what's their website? Their yeah. Website. So it's, rarebreedleaders.com is where you can find all things rare breed, but also Ashley and I are co-founders of Motto, which is one of the top branding agencies in the country. We work with leaders and teams and organizations to align leaders and teams around that kind of big idea and then work to develop the brand around the big idea. And then of course, with, with rare breed being our book and our sort of series and workshop, we help teams and organizations uh, uncover the rare breed within their team structures and be able to really bring them to life in the organization and also tools and tactics to basically innovate with them at your side. Outstanding. Well, we'll put links in the show notes for all the resources. And the book is Rare Breeds, A Guide to Success for the Defiant, Dangerous, and Different. And I believe this has been one of the most amazing interviews. And I really appreciate you being on Thank the show, you. Sunny. I think this is uh, some really good stuff. I think we all can take something away from it. And, you know, I challenge those that are listening in, you know, to think about the rare breeds you have in your organization. You probably can find them right away. You probably can name them right away. <laughs> and, uh, and, and look at those as their potential and not, and look at their, those as virtues and not vices. And how can you, uh, channel that, uh, you know, that, energy that's in those individuals. And I, and I think you can go pretty far. So I really appreciate you being on the show, Sunny, and sharing all your insight. Jeez, thank you so much. It was such a, an insightful interview and so fun. And thanks so much for giving me the platform to share the message. Well, thank you. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying, take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. 
For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. 